Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Um, so if we can all open our scripture, our Bible app, or our actual Bibles to Job 3, verses 24 through 26, and I would like for all of us to read it out loud, because old school version. Um, we'll read this in two different versions, because why not? Just humor me. Um, and I was, I was saying earlier, I was like, for emphasis, let's, let's just do it. So the first version will be uh, the New, King's ja- New King James Version. And verse 24 starts, For my sighing comes before I eat. And my groanings pour out like water. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. And then let's uh, switch over to our next version, the message, which um, is very similar. Just puts it in different words. So verse 24 Starts, instead of bread, I get groans for my supper. Then leave the table and vomit my anguish. The worst of my fears has come true. What I've dreaded most has happened. My repose is shattered. My peace destroyed. No rest for me ever. Death has invaded life. Death has invaded life. And as a kid... I used to ask a lot of questions. Why this? Why that? Where are we going? How far is it? Who's going? And maybe, I don't know, maybe I was thinking about it. I was like, maybe my parents just like, they always gave me details in how they communicated to us. So I think I got used to it. So I was always like, all right, where, where's that restaurant? I was like seven and just asked a lot of questions. So overall, you know that saying, ride or die? Like, I could be that ride or die friend. And it's like the joke, I've seen it so often. It's like, I'll be your ride or die, but I'm going to have questions like, where are we going? Who's going to be there? Can we get food along the way? What time are we leaving? Who's driving? So on and so forth. Um, and thinking, I was having a conversation with my family, um, and they decided to reminisce. And if they're watching, I hope they're not watching. If they're... Um, And they decided to reminisce, and they were like, um, my sister said, Jason, you used to like to jump off of things a lot. And I was like, you're right. Um, And she was like, you were always jumping off of things. You'd climb on stuff and then just jump off of it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. Like, I had a bunk bed, and I would just climb it and just dive. There was, like, cabinets, climb on top, and dive head first whatever landed on whatever landed on the floor that was it and i guess it was a favorite pastime cuz i was always doing it so it's like it's a saying if if your kids are quiet go check on them cuz they're probably if you have a boy he's probably jumping off of stuff um and as you can guess i ended up of course with a lot of injuries um surprisingly not a broken bone never a broken bone in my life my mom raised me, right? Um, 
<laughs> but I did have like ginormous bumps eventually just protruding out of my head because I just jumped off of stuff. And I there was once I remember I was just wailing and I touched it and it was that's probably my big head and why it's going on. And it was just a ginormous bump. Also, um, vinegar is great for bumps. Learned that um, deep down in Colombia. Because my mom would always say, like, if you have a bump, slap vinegar on it because it helps the, the blood flow. It helps the circulation. Um, so it's like I was crying, and then I also smelled like vinegar. It was a <laughs> wild ride. Um, but it was like, it, it, it kind of worked. It kind of dulled the pain because it smelled disgusting. Um, but yeah, vinegar helps um, your, your blood flow, your circulation go, so the bump will go down. Truth or not, I don't know, but it was done. Um, <clears throat> so I just, I still don't know. I, I don't know, like, I've thought about cliff jumping before, and I'm like, that's dangerous, and maybe I've learned my lesson. But I don't know why it was fun for me. And I, I think, like, as a kid, I, there was not a single thought in here. There was just elevator music going on, and I was just, go for it. Um, so it's like, I remember one time I was, I was at the park, and I was just running towards the, towards the monkey, monkey bars. And I just go for it. And I grab on, and I just let go. And, of course, like, the force of the speed just set me, and I landed on my head. Another bump. And there was several other times. I'd just, I'd just be running around in the park, trip. I don't know why I always trip. Trip, land flat on my stomach, get the wind knocked out of me. And everybody would see it. They'd be like, oh, my gosh, are you okay? And I'd be like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I can't breathe, but I'm fine. And... Even one time, I just I, a swing hit me in the head, and it just cracked it open. Got six stitches and a bald spot now. Um, and yeah, I was just like, man, I was really just like, not a care in the world. Um, that was painful. <laughs> but I don't think all this pain wasn't even close to what Job felt when he was going through all of this. And we know the story of Job. He lost everything. He lost riches. He lost family. He lost health. Three of the things that every single human constantly works for and, you know, strives for day and night. And in this chapter of Job, he's just, he is going off. It's chapter three. Like, dude, the book just started. And he's just going off. And he's He's lost it, basically. The language that, that is used is just the, the agony that I, I can't fathom that he was in. But in, in the entire chapter, he was complaining that he was born. He was complaining that he did not die as soon as he was born. He was complaining that his life was now, that his life kept going even while he was in misery. So it was kind of like, just kill me. And I've always pictured Job to just be on the floor wearing like a potato sack. Um, wearing a potato sack, sorry. Um, miserable. But I honestly can't picture his pain. A pain that's big enough to curse his own existence for an entire chapter of the Bible. 
Job was suffering. He was in agony. This was torture for him. His days were full of torment, in constant discomfort, aching and sore from head to toe, and just raw misery inside and out. Job was hurting and he was in pain because he lost everything. The sense of stability just went out from underneath him. And again, I really can't picture this. I go through one single struggle and I'm like, this is it. That's it for me. I'm giving up. And so I've borrowed the title of this message from a book I read a couple of years ago. And it's Hurting with God. And this book is by the author Glenn Pemberton. And um, uh, Glenn Pemberton, he actually suffers from CRPS, which is Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. And it's a condition that causes um, the nerves in his body to send pain signals to his brain, even though nothing in his body is injured or broken. And I can't imagine, honestly, having to write a book while all of this, so props to him because I've learned a lot. And he wrote this book to make two major points. Number one, it was to understand how lamenting shapes our view of God. And I don't know when I can drink water. And number two, to address his call to restore the language of lament in our faith communities. And Mr. Glenn Pemberton, he compares life to the sea. The sea is something that terrifies me because they say we've only explored like 10% or some sort of percent from it. And it's just like there's more sea than there is land. And I'm, I, I, when I start to think about it, I'm just like, no. Um, but he describes um, both life and the sea as a vivid force that frightens and undoes human life. It also works chaos in our world. So he says, yes, God has a power to calm the sea. It's subject to the boundaries that he allowed. You know, God said the sea will come up to here, and that's where it comes up to. However, the tension of life with God is the fact that God has a power to restrain the storm, but sometimes chooses instead to just let it pour. So what does a person do then? Um, because we all live in this turbulent sea. That's life. And one question that he posed, I'm going to have a lot of questions, rhetorical ones tonight, because I ask a lot of questions, is that he was interested in how we, as people of faith, live with God in less than ideal circumstances. And we've felt pain. We've all felt pain. It's, it's a universal thing. And to quote um, a great friend of mine, you guys might know her, Reagan Coltharp. She once shared um, a paper of hers. And it said, when it's not happening to us, it's easy to talk about embracing suffering and pain. Because I can say, I'm so sorry you're going through this. But it's a whole other experience when we're the ones going through suffering and through pain. And in college, we had so many different discussions that everybody liked to pick and tear apart. 
And in many of the classes and many of the lunches that we had, it was begged the, the most common question that Christians are asked or that we even think about is why do bad things happen to good people? Because the world very often thinks that, thinks that if we're 25% of a decent person, we're good. Like nothing's going to happen to us. Like why should something bad happen to me? I gave to Goodwill the other day. It's like we should be exempt from all bad things. And then something bad happens, like curse whatever's going on. But in this chapter of Job, of the book of Job, the extremity of his trouble and the discomposure of his spirits might excuse the fact that he was just having an outburst, in part, because, again, the pain that he was in, the everything that he was going through, you might say, all right, go off. But he can no means be justified by it. And you know why? And it's because Job, he had forgotten the good that he was born into. Because Job had a good life. The, the Bible says it. He had a great life. Riches, cows, cattle, everything. Family. But the agony that he was in, it made him forget it. And I think that's what pain does to you. It makes you forget the good old days. There's been nights when you feel like you never had a happy day in your life. But the thing about pain is that pain doesn't make God less God. As her paper said. And I have had my fair shares of pain. Um, I think we all have in the past year. Um, if you, we've made it through COVID and that was painful in itself. But when you go to a hospital, you walk in and they tell you, okay, fill out all these forms. I don't care that you can't lift a pen. You have to fill it out. Um, and then it says, rate your pain from 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest and 10 being an excruciating pain. And usually, of course, whatever it is, everybody's like 10, 10, 10. And this is, you know, the heaviness that comes in with this. And tonight, I don't think we're just dealing with physical pain. Because loneliness is pain. Depression is pain. Anxiety is pain. Loss is pain. And from what I felt in my heart and in my spirit, I think maybe there's a broken heart or two in this room. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Perhaps maybe you were running like I used to do when I was a kid, metaphorically speaking, and you had the wind knocked out of yourself. And you're trying to act like nothing happened. And maybe you can't even speak about it or worship like you used to because you're hurting so much. And pain stems from a lot of different things, a lot of circumstances. Sometimes pain interferes in our spiritual life, in our friendships, and whatever it is. Because the moment you get a migraine, that's it. You're, if you've had a migraine before, you're, you're clocked out for the day. 
say no more, wrap a blanket around my head, and I don't want to hear any noise. <laughs> yeah. Pain is also broken people. Pain is also hurt from the past that we can't let go of. And you know, Job's suffering, it, it wasn't punishment. It wasn't a sign of God being angry. Job's pain is, is not, you know, the executioner's whip just going off. But it's the pain from the surgeon's scalpel, the knife and the surgery. The removal of the disease that is pride. And the removal of this is one of the most loving things that God can do in our lives, no matter what the cost is. Because pride is what drives us to keep saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Until you start sort of believing it, and then it forms into like a scar tissue. And you never treated that pain. You never treated that wound. One of the most alarming medical stories that I heard, and it's small, but they gave me the example years ago, and they said, you know why painkillers aren't that great all that time all the time is because, for example, if you have a if you break your ankle, you can take a strong enough painkiller to make your brain think that you're fine. And then off you go running, walking, doing the same old thing when you have a broken ankle and you're just gonna make it worse. And eventually, you're like, one pill wasn't enough. So let me take one and a half. Let me take two pills. And you're just making your ankle, I forgot what I said, your bone, it's getting worse. And then it's going to get an infection and then so long foot. It's, it's true. And that's, that's the same issue with everything else. If it's not treated, it's going to rot. It's going to get infected. It's going to scar. It's going to be uncomfortable. Not addressing the pain is dangerous. And another question here is, has, you know, the sense of a, a superficial optimism has that gotten to us? Just fake optimism. And just like culturally just assimilating everything that's been going on, has it removed that open spirit for grieving, for lament, just because we're trying to pretend that everything is fine day and night? Tragically, the extinction of lament threatens other forms of, of, of our expression in our Christian walk with God. And one of those things is thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving comes after lament. You know, you're going through it. God brings you through it. You're thankful. I saw like a linear formula. I was like, oh. So they come from the same soil. They come from the same organism. Lament and thanksgiving. 
So the practice of thanksgiving grows out of the prior practice of lament. So the loss of lament actually threatens a second type of faith talk, and that's thanksgiving. And this is probably the shortest message, and I'm sorry, pastors. This is, this is my main point. This is my bottom line. Think of pain like a fork in the road. Because pain is going to give you the option of having a deep, honest, real, beautiful relationship with God. Even though it doesn't make sense. Because most of the time a trial starts and like, I sort of get it this moment. I'm like, the pain started in chapter 3. Job was like, oh no, this is it. Like, I'm out, dude. Check me out. No, Grim Reaper, come up. And God was like, no. Like, so you're going to have that option. And I'm, I'm not here to glorify pain at all. If anything, I want to call myself out. <laughs> because the result of pain can be God's glory. If, you know, God will take you through it. He has the power of healing you. He has the power of all of it. It's like having a whole spread of tools for that scar tissue to be removed and for that infection to go away. But most of us don't want to address it. And naturally, I have another question. Do you want to hurt by yourself or do you want to hurt with God? And why do I say this? Because nobody ever on this, in this world has ever fo- suffered more than Jesus did when he was dying for us. I don't care what you say. Nobody can ever top that. We've said it before. That's the single greatest act of love and humanity that we have ever seen. So he's felt pain. He felt every single pain imaginable. So that one day when you were just swallowed and engulfed in your pain and your anguish, he could say, I know. I know what that's like. He conquered it because one day you were going to need that help. I was going to need that help and he'd be on the way. And when I think about the crucifixion and the day that he died for us, I found a this, you know, what the Bible says, when, when Jesus was on, on the cross, physically, when he was on the cross, as long as he was putting all his weight on his feet, he could breathe. Because his feet were nailed, hands were nailed. So if he pushed up, he could breathe. He had already been beaten, lashed on, crown of thorns, everything. But when he was on that cross, if he wanted to breathe, he had to push up even more and breathe. But when that became too painful, he would slump back down, putting all his weight on his wrists and also returning to the condition of not being able to breathe. And when the air is so precious and each single breath you have to fight for at such extraneous causes. He still used his breath to communicate with 
people that were near him. The first sentence that he said, looking down at the Roman soldiers throwing dice for his seamless garment, he said, Father, forgive them, for they not know, for they know not what they do. It was his first breath, and he was pleading forgiveness for somebody else. The second statement to the thief right next to him, he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. And I can just imagine him fighting for breath, for a single breath, so that he could speak. And the third, looking down at the terrified, grief-stricken John, the beloved apostle, he said, behold your mother. And then he looked at Mary right next to him, and she said, woman, behold your son. And he was still telling them to take care of each other. The fourth cry is from the beginning of Psalms, uh, Psalm 22nd. And it shows that Jesus wasn't just experiencing great physical torment, but he was also undergoing intense spiritual pain. And that's when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In hours of his limitless pain, cycling through cramps and more pain and partial asphyxiation eventually led to another type of pain. And he begins to experience a deep crushing pain in his chest as his chest slowly starts to fill up with the serum and begins to compress the heart. And it it's a fact that it actually didn't happen to, to everybody that was crucified, but it was known to happen. And yet he still did it for you and I. We were having a conversation this week, and it was said that when he was on that cross, he literally saw us at our worst. He could envision us up on that cross. He saw me. He saw Jason at my lowest point, turning away from him, and he, he still died for me. He still thought I was worth it. And in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, in faith, without no doubting, with no doubting, for, who, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord if you don't have faith. So another question will be, do we trust God with our pain? And musicians, you, you guys can come up. I think when we're in pain, we also ask a lot of questions. Because to me, sometimes emotional or physical pain 
kind of feels like I'm frozen and there's like a knife going in, just jabbing it and you slowly start to hear that crack. Kind of feels like the room goes black and you can't see anything. You start wondering, what did I do wrong? Why are they not going through it? Why am I going through it? What I do to deserve any of this? And yeah, you're a good person, but I don't think that's the right question sometimes. Another question is, how would good people stay faithful to God when things, when bad things happen? And I think, to me, it always comes down to this, that God wants a relationship with me. God wants to communicate with you. Job, still in his anguish, he still prayed, he still spoke, and God responded. He still had a relationship with him, even though he was begging him to kill him. God wants for us to pray through this pain. Because not, not praying for this, I, I don't know how people get through life without God. And Brother Stan Gleason once said, prayerlessness is ignorance. Because you know the power that is in God. And yet we think, sometimes there, there's like an entitlement that comes upon us. Like, no, I'm hurting, so I get to lash out at people. I'm hurting, so I'm not going to go to church. I'm hurting, so I'm not going to give. I'm hurting, so I'm going to be rude to everybody around me. When really, we need to address it. When really, we don't need to be acting tough. Because why? If everybody could stand to their feet. I'd like to open this altar. I know maybe not everybody might be going through pain. But one thing I've learned recently is that our prayers aren't always going to be a yes. That'd be a perfect world. And we're not there yet. But what happens is God still in his mercy and his love for us answers that prayer with his presence. He still shows up. Even then, even when Job was begging him, kill me, please. He didn't kill him because he knew better. But his presence, it may be gentle or mysterious, but his presence is what can make the difference. And again, to quote this paper that my friend wrote, she said, being saved won't exempt you from pain, but it's going to bring purpose. So again, if you guys would like to step out or just lift up your hands, and I would just want to make a call to all unattended wounds that are on the verge of scarring. 
There is a mighty power here tonight. And he wants to tend to you. He wants to hurt with you. Do you want to keep doing it all on your own? Or do you want to bring that pain to God and say, God, it hurts. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.